So what I would like to do uh, this afternoon is continue dedicating our, our week of learning during the Shiva of Rabbi Sachs in his memory and to kind of discuss some of his Torah and some of his thought. Rabbi Sachs, and I'll talk more about this over, I think, the next the next little while. Rabbi Sachs, we all know, was a, a prolific writer. He was a theologian. He was a philosopher. philosopher. Um, he was a rabbi. Um, his greatest accomplishments that he would have said was that he was a, a teacher of teachers. He was a rabbi for rabbis, um, which I'm sure you're all familiar with this. You heard some of you. That really was the mission that Bhavacha Rabbi really charged him with. Um, and there's no question that when you hear Rabbi Sachs's understanding, especially of tefillah, meaning what, and this is a great line, he said this often, I, I probably heard him say this 10 times, he, he says, you know, Jews, they didn't they don't need a chief rabbi. <laughs> Jews have lots of rabbis. Jews don't like chiefs. <laughs> the world needs a chief rabbi. Non-Jews need a chief rabbi. I mean, he really saw himself as the world's philosopher, the defender of religion in the modern world. Very much so. And that is why he spoke about things that were hard and difficult, right? Because he felt those were aspects of things that needed to be understood better. And in particular, he really enjoyed writing and talking about tefillah. Because let's face it, tefillah needs tremendous chizuk. You know, and then with the coronavirus, you go to your local shul, you go to your local school, tefillah is really hard. It, you know, especially, you know, and I'm not saying that because we don't understand the words. You know, even in Israel. Okay, so my Hebrew is a little bit better because I'm Israeli and the words, I can I understand most of it. It's not, you know, tefillah was written, and I've, we've said this many times, when Chazal wrote the Sidur um, over time, so they made many assumptions that aren't correct anymore. Meaning if they make a reference to a line somewhere in Tanakh, they assume you knew the context and the connections and the significance and the parallels and the, which is, you know, now they quote from the very Yomim, it's this Chinese, they quote from Daniel, it's this Chinese, they quote from Am HaChazal. And if they quote a line from Chazal, they, 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 they assumed, of course you knew the context and the meaning behind it. But that, that's not, that's not the case. And therefore, we have to study the Sidur. Um, and, and, and let's face it, too, like not just from intellectual perspective. This was in Ray Sachs book about a lot. But you, we have to have a relationship with the Rishbaruch. It doesn't mean it's easy. We have to struggle. It speaks about that in great detail in many different places. And so what I want to do, what I want to do today is kind of, um, it, this really is based, it's, it's based on him. Although I have a few comments and I, unfortunately, sadly, I can't ask him anymore. Um, but... Which is which is quite uh, which is quite sad, but you know what are we going to do? Um, I want to present a little bit about what he spoke about, and he um, we know he wrote many sidurim. You know, Corin really really became Rabbi Sachs's publisher in many ways, and uh, the Corin the Corin Sachs sidur, which is quite popular, I have like you know three or forty copies here. Um, I want to share just a, one, one insight that I it's a little bit textual, um, but it's worthwhile. Um, it's worthwhile, I think, studying. Those of you that are on Zoom, I'm actually going to do a share screen so that you can also have the source sheet because why should I just have the source sheet? That's not really fair. Um, and then those of you that are live sitting here in front of me, it's a little bit easier. I can, I'll, I'll read to the sources. They're not that, not that difficult. I can send it to you later if you want. So 
Rabbi Sachs, actually, he asked a very, very interesting question. And he says, you know, what are we doing when we actually pray, when we actually daven? And he, what he wants to, he wants to explore, and this is what we're going to explore together, is what's really the function of Shema Yisrael? Shema Yisrael is not really a tefillah, right? It's not, it's not a tefillah in any sense of the imagination. So what really are we doing? Why is it necessary to put in, to put in davening? And Rabbi Sanks goes on and he, and he says, listen, before we can really understand tefillah, uh, Shema, sorry, you have to understand tefillah in general. And I want to quote you from a Gemara in Menachot that says the following. Amar Ravami midvaravsho Rabbi Yossi Nilmad Afilu lo shana adam ela perak echad shacharit uperak echad arvit kia mitzvah lo yamush sefer hatorah hazemi picha says Ravami based on Rav Yossi let's learn an important principle that if a person all they do is learn one chapter one section in the morning and the evening. You fulfill the mitzvah of what? Lo yamush sefer haTorah picha. So we know those that are familiar with the Gemara and Bracha. It says that you have to learn regularly, right? Ah, uh, lo yamush. You're not allowed to stop sefer hazemi picha. You got to bo yaman v'layla. Day and night, you have to learn. Let me tell you a secret. You really only have to learn a little bit at night and the day, and you fill the mitzvah. Let's go on. Amar Rabbi Yochanan Mishum Rabbi Shum Yochai. Which, by the way, it's very interesting. Why Shimbar Yochai? I'll go back to that in a second. She says, if you just say Shema, you fulfill your mitzvah of Talmud Torah. What's going on here? I understand. You mean to tell me the function of Shema is Talmud Torah? But we're talking about tefillah. So if Shema is Talmud Torah, why is it part of our Sidur experience? That's question number one. Question number two, look what he says. He's going to say, guys, this is Roshim Bar Yochai speaking. Listen to this. V'davarza asur lo'omro bifnei ameha'aretz. Don't tell an ignoramus what I just said. This is Roshim Bar Yochai. Anyone want to tell me why not? Why can't they tell an ignoramus that you can fulfill the mitzvah of lo yomush sefer ha-torah hazet nipicha by saying Shema. Why can't I tell an Amaritza? What do you think? I would never learn. Because guess what? I can just dub it. <laughs> if I say Shema in the morning and the night, I'm finished. I'm done. I fulfilled my obligation. Yeah, meaning, uh, listen, I agree to learn more, the more the better, for sure. But I mean, I still. Meaning, I could film. I could. I could do the checkbox. I've now learned. I've now learned for the day. No, you've learned. You've accomplished. Well, you've accomplished. Perhaps there are other aspects of coming. So that I didn't do. Okay. I dispense my obligation. Yeah. 
Right. Okay, good. So so now here's my question. Who's saying this? Let's understand who says this. Who says don't tell anybody? Who says, guys, don't tell anybody? You can. You fulfill the Yom but don't tell people that. Who made that statement? Why is that important that it's Rashbi who says it? He's the one who's attacking all the Amaratsin for harvesting. Right. You look through the Gemara and Brachot, right? The Gemara and Shabbos, right? the two different parallel Gemaras over there. And what does Rashbi do? He spends time in a cave. He comes out and he, he blasts everybody. Because what did he do for a number of years? All he did was consult the Torah, right? So much stuff to the story, right? The clothes. And so now he's coming and saying, oh, by the way, what I did was amazing. I don't, I don't want to tell anybody else. The Gemara then goes on and says, the Rav Amar, mitzvah le'omro bifnei amaret. Okay, I don't want to get into the difference in the hashkafa, because this, by the way, is the hashkafic difference. Rava says, no, tell people. It's a mitzvah to tell them. Look what you can accomplish. Th- these are two different hashkafat olam of Chazal. You have to understand, Chazal had different hashkafat olam, different way of looking at the world. Rashbi, not that this is surprising to anybody, was the maximalist. Right? Rava, it appears based on the statement, and by the way, um, Rava didn't even live at the same time, right? He, he's living much later. But Rava is saying, it's a mitzvah, tells Amarat. Tell Amarat, look what you can accomplish. You can accomplish what? Lo yamu sefer Torah zemipicha. How can you accomplish it? Just by saying Shema. Right? So therefore, you can do so much more. You can still... So, 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 you understand? There's different shkafas. What do you tell people? <laughs> right? Right? You know, it's like a whole... There's a... Um, I'm not sure this is an exact example, but, like, you know, do you tell people when the Arab is down? Do you tell people, right? It's all different shkafas. But here, what Rav, I think, is saying is, no, build people up. Tell them. Look what they can do. Don't, don't, don't... You know, they're not going to take a minimalist perspective on the world. Okay, anyways, I don't want to... It's a bit side, side topic. What shkafas of Chazal. Very interesting. You have to... Not always so easy to do, but if you take you know statements they make and see when they say it, when they don't say it, you can kind of get the worldview often on the psychology of human beings and the development of them. But that's for right for another time. I want to point out here though is that we see from here that Shema is connected to Talmud Torah, and Talmud Torah, for whatever reason, the rabbis injected into tefillah. So here's that first example of the connection of Talmud Torah. Now, what, what is Talmud Torah about? And what's Tefillah about? And is there another connection between them? I'm sure some of you might be familiar with the Gemara and Brachot, where it says, Tefillot, Avot, Tikkunim. Rabbi Shubin Levi Omer, Tefillot, Keneged, Timidim. I'm sure you're familiar with that, right? That when it comes to tefillah, why is it that we dive in three times a day? So either it's connected to the avot, or it's connected to the korbanot. Oh, wow. How are you doing? Welcome. Did you tell me that you were coming? No. No. Fine. So I don't feel bad. I don't have food for you. I no. But I apologize. Okay. Welcome. Um, but I'm happy to get you. Just, I just need any more notice. If you don't no, want. No, no. Whatever you want. It's your, it's your, it's your decision. So the um, we see that the that Chazal, the rabbis, were trying to understand what's this basis for how many times do we daven, right? Where does it come from? So either we say the avot, or we say is it connected to the sacrifices? And the Gemara concludes it's actually based on kind of both, meaning we know that Avram represented Avram 
each one of the avot connected to one of the three tefillot. There's a shkafa component there that Avraham is like the morning, right? Like the beginning of the day and the new dawn and the new era, right? He was like the breeze and he began everything, right? The morning is sun, right? Yitzchak was the afternoon and Yaakov represented darkness and galus and etc. But that is all true. But it's also clearly connected to what? The korbanot as well, right? The korban that we offer in the morning, then our bayim, and then they chavei marim that was played on mizbeach, the, the leftovers that simmered on the altar throughout the throughout the evening hours. And the Gemara concludes that, it's, for argument's sake, it's kind of modeled on both both components to it. But what we see from here, we see that the korbanot, tefilot, are actually totally interconnected to each other, right now. But korbanot and tefilot are connected to each other. Well, that's that's very very interesting because what do we do about how can we place korbanot today? We don't have korbanot today. What do we do instead? We have tefillah. Right? That's 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 its that's its connection. So much so the Gemara Menachot even says, "My dichtiv zot Torah chatat v'zot Torah Hashem." Says the Gemara Menachot, "Kol aosek b'Torah chatat ki ilu hikiv chatat, kol aosek b'Torah Hashem ki ilu hikiv Hashem." And because of that, you know what we do? What do we do? We say, "Well." I don't know. I, I can't speak for you. I can speak for myself. I say the carbon every single morning. Rosh Gemara. Rosh was very makbir and saying carbon every single day. He felt there's a cumed right time. I'll touch on that in a minute. And and because Chazal, when they instituted these korbanot, they said you have to recite korbanot. Isn't that interesting? You recite korbanot. How do you recite the korbanot through the mitzvah of Talmud Torah? Right? And then, you hear this? We see that Talmud Torah. And tefillah are totally connected. Here's another example. How, again, I showed you the first time that prayer and study are totally intertwined, connected. How? We see that prayer is the Amida, the Shunes, right? What precedes it? Shema. Shema, you fill your mitzvah of Tomu Torah, of study. We just proved it from Lo Yamush. You say a little bit of Pasuk Shema at night, a Pasuk in the morning. You say it twice as you dispense your obligation of Tomu Torah. Through Shema. Shema is not even a tefillah, isn't it? Right? And then take then you have what? Then you also have in the morning by the korbanot, you also have that idea behind it. That what? How do you dispense your obligation of your tefillah through korbanot? And what do we do? We see the korbanot. Okay, we can't offer these sacrifices today. We no longer have a temple. We don't have the base of What can we do instead? We have tefillah. We have prayer. And how do we do prayer? We say the words. But that's Tamu Torah. Right? We're in the Psukim. And by the way, this is, this, is, this is amazing. Why? We don't just read Psukim. Those of that are familiar, by the way, this I did not know. This is what Sack said, and, which is pretty amazing, actually. I was not aware of this. There's a machlok at what should be included in the Karbanat and the Siddur. I don't know how many are familiar with the Karbanat and the Siddur. There's three parts, basically, in the Karbanat and the Siddur. You have the Psukim in the beginning, the Vaidabers. That's what they have ever heard. That's what they shut up before Ashray, before Mincha, right? And they read the various paragraphs that connect to the Korban Tamid and the Deshen and the Rechitzi the various stages of what you do. Then you have the middle, which is like this Torah stuff. In the end, you have Mishnayot. 
um, from Zvachim. Uh, you read from Izma Komenshal Zvachim. The Rabbi Shema at the end. But most people are familiar with it. Most people just go to Rabbi Shema. <laughs> usually this, uh, the bad joke is usually the sacrifices get sacrificed and they, they, we kind of skip over them. I didn't know this, but according to there's a machloket in Nusach, between Nusach Anglia and your classic Siddur Nusach. What? So, so I it, apparently it's based on Rabbeinu Nitragon that the Gaonim only had the Psukim, Mishnayot, and Rabbi Shmuel. They didn't have that middle stuff. So, full disclosure, I never said that middle stuff. The reason why I didn't say it was, from what I understood from Rosalvechik, it wasn't as important. And the last thing I'm looking for is to do more things when it comes to davening, because for various reasons, some which are practical. And and, and, and so I, I would say the Vaidabers, I jumped to Izumakoman, and I, you know, finish up. Continue, I should say. And I didn't realize that, according to Rabbi Sachs, is Nusach Anglia. And Rabbi Sachs argues that Nusach Anglia is based on Nusach of the Vitrigon of Amramgon Sidur. And apparently, if you take a look at the Sidurim printed, not the OU Korin Sidurim, the original Sax Sidur that was printed in England, that's the way the Nusach was, when Koran decided to print, they wanted to print for the masses. Listen, at the end of the day, it's about publishing and you got to sell. So they wanted to have that full Sidur, so they included that middle part too. Um, that's just, just, I thought there's just an interesting historical context. But I'm saying this because take a look at those three sections. You have Sukim, you have Mishnayat, Izumakoman, and you have Rabbi Shema. The concept of these three sections, in many ways, is what the Rambam talks about, how we fulfill our obligation in Talmud Torah. Let me explain what I mean. The Rambam writes, just got to find it one second, where did I put that Rambam? Okay, I'm reading from the Rambam, Hilchot Talmud Torah, Perk Aleph Halacha Yud Aleph, one eleven. Chayav l'shalesh et zman limud datav. If you take your limud and divide the thirds, shlish b'Torah shebichtav, a third of written Torah, shlish b'Torah shebalpeh Mishnah, and then v'shlish yavin v'yaskil acharit avar mireshitel. In the third part, you have to, you know, um, you have to kind of deduce, deduct. You have to kind of use inferences. You have to study one one from the other. Right? Compare, contrast, deduction, whatever mythological principles one is. Compare, contrast. And you have to, you have to understand, you have to constantly, you have to learn all the various hermeneutical principles that the Torah is derived by. It's a fancy term for we know we have different principles used in the Torah, various principles, how to study and how to learn, exegetical principles or learning principles. etc. And this way you'll be able to know what you have to do. Because by learning Torah and Mishnah, you don't know what you have to do. Meaning, why is that amazing? Because what do we do? What is our sitter? Has Pesukim? Mishnayat? And what's Rabbi Shema? The Yud Gimel Midot Shatara Gemara. It's Gemara learning. It's exactly what it is. 
So take a look at our Corbanot section that we have. Also has the thirds, which is part of the Siddur, which is really says, says the Rambam, the facet of Talmud Torah. Right? So what do we see from here? I just The Shema is the film of Talmud Torah that precedes the Amida. Then you have the Korbanot section two, which is divided into thirds of Pesukim, Mishnayat, and Rabbi Shema, which the Rambam says is what we call Gemara, which is extrapolating and learning Torah and Dasher Behem. And those three things, which are part of the Siddur, are really what? The fulfillment of Talmud Torah. Meaning, when Chazal created the Siddur, they actually created a system to fulfill your obligation of Talmud Torah and Filah together. It was a package deal. It was wrapped together in the same binding, so to speak. Let's go back to the beginning of happening. We're obligated to recite the very few things which are in the Torah. One of them is Bechad Torah. is one of the few brachot which are in the Raisa. Um, the other one is probably benching. We're saying Bechad Torah. Fine. What is the machlokas? It is. It is. We generally say Bruchat Torah is is the Raita, um, and it's not just a bracha that's recited on Bruchat Mitzvah before you do a mitzvah. There's also a component of shavach and praise to God. What's enough kamina? Very good, excellent. Women Bruchat Mitzvah they might be pater. It's Bruchat Shavuot they're obligated, which is why Rambam says women should say Bruchat Torah because it's probably Bruchat Mitzvah. It's probably both. This is the whole. There's a whole long thing on this, but not for now. But my point is, is that when we, after we recite Berchot Torah, which, by the way, is Talmud Torah, which is said before we daven. Why do we say Torah before we daven? What's the answer? Every sitter starts with Berchot Torah. Why? I understand. This is Torah. Answer, because no, the Siddur is a facet of Talmud Torah. You see, it it, 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 it comes up many times. We'll see if, if, uh, a couple more times. Now, let's go on. What's so interesting about what do we do right after we say Bracha Torah? What do we do? What do we do right afterwards? We do, we say Psukim, Racha Shem Racha. So we recite Psukim, and then what do we do after we do Psukim? We say, Mishnayat, Misad Peya, Elu Devarim Shenlahim Shur, right? Again, we want to, right after we recite Bracha Torah, we say Psukim. Of Talmud Torah. And what aspects of Talmud Torah do we do? Once again, we recite the Psukim and we recite Mishnayot uh, right afterwards as well, which is um, amazing. When? Sorry? So, so that's a it's a good uh, that's a good question. Um, it doesn't have it might not have that third component. There are actually those um, who, yeah, the third component is not. As easily found in that case. Uh, so, okay. Um, and but what, what I'm trying to show is that you do have these facets of Talmud Torah, which are Bruchat Torah, which are before the Siddur. A Siddur is davening, but davening is not davening. Davening is also Talmud Torah. Now, what's the main difference between Torah and, and Tefillah? What's the main difference between the two? Even Ashkafah, what's the main difference? What Talmud Torah is what? One specific one's with it. <laughs> what's Talmud Torah? What's Talmud Torah ultimately about? What's the goal of when I have Talmud Torah? Right, it's it's the the um, a greater emphasis on the intellect, a greater emphasis on thought, but it's 
me trying to understand God, right? I want to understand God. So how do I understand God? I have to understand God through what he writes, through what he does, through what he, that's Tomator. What's tefillah? You know, if, if, if I'm trying to understand God's world through Talmud Torah, in many ways, tefillah is really all about, I want, I want, I'm asking my needs from Hashem. This is what I need. This is what I want. This is what I'm required to do. Now, both of them build a relationship with Hashem, but from opposite perspectives, right? Talmud Torah, in many ways, is much more about me trying to understand God through using various faculties, not exclusively, but often. By the way, that's why Talmud Torah, you have to sing, right? You have a niggin, there's a sound, there's music, because it shouldn't be all intellectual and cerebral. It has to be some type of you know, emotional connection to something. Um, in fact, Rav, I heard this, I read this in Rabbi Sachs, probably before anybody here was born. Okay, if that's not true. I read this in... Max, maybe, maybe 25 years ago. He quotes in Alshech. I quoted this once um, on Yom Kippur and a drush I gave. My, one of my favorite lines. It was worth, it's worthwhile saying because it connects it to. He says, "How come? What do we say in Shema? We say Vavta et Hashem Kacha b'cholav v'cha v'chol nafshcha v'chol madacha v'ayu adver me'ela asher norchim etzavcha hayom alav avacha v'shiran tunavanacha." What's the connection between alav avacha on your heart and you're going to teach? Rabbi Sachs quotes the Alshech, who says that you can only teach what's in your heart. If you're not emotionally connected to something, you're not going to be able to teach it properly. The students will not accept it. They're going to realize that you don't really mean it. You're not connected to it, right? We know that passionate teaching is very important, right? You know, we all have those. Even, by the way, this is even true in math and chemistry, right? It, it, you know, you have those teachers who are teaching to teach. You have the teachers who are passionate about their teaching. I'm not even talking, just, just talking about Talmud Torah. They were in general in life, right? The teachers who are lousy teachers, they're just teaching. They just here's the words, the information, have a good day. But as opposed to those, the subject material is almost irrelevant. And you see, they can they can make anything, right? See that university in particular, where you have, you know, they can make any material interesting and engaging, and you see the passion, it depends much more on the teacher than on the material itself. How much more so for Talmud Torah? So what Rabbi Sachs actually says is that if you take a look at the Sidur and you take a look at the way it was Put together, they're, t- they're interconnected. The Sidur and Talmud Torah, those two, those two, those two facets together. And then he goes on to say um, that. Oh, but, oh, sorry, I forgot to say this. What happens if you forget to say Berachot um, Torah? Let's say you forget to say Berachot Torah. You finish davening. You say it again. You say Berachot Torah again. Why not? The halacha is Safik Berachot. But if it's the Doraisa, why don't you see Berchad Torah again? Answer. How come if you finish davening, you don't see Berchad Torah again? The Gemara says this already. Why not? It's such an important bracha. How could you not say it? Answer. What does the Gemara say? Anybody know? Excellent. Very good. Says the Gemara, Kfar Patrua Vavaraba Vasolam. Meaning, the paragraph before Shema, what do we say? Vatolam Varaba. Hashem loves us. Right? That connection with God. That we see the Gemara realizes is a mini Birchad HaTorah. And when do we see this mini Birchad HaTorah? Before we recite Shema. What? No, no, incorrect. If you just say it even without Kavana, you don't you don't repeat it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, I guess so. I don't know. I thought of that. Um, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Could be. Could be. Yeah. Would be crazy. Right. Okay. Um. Right. You wouldn't have to. That's why. I mean, because we're usually machmer on brachas. Sorry to say, mission afterwards. They're not just. But we do have mission later on. I mean, it depends. You have you know. If you daven nesach sfarid, so then you say in which would be at the end of davening, which in theory would also be this mishnah at prices. So okay, um, let's go on. So what do we what do we see from the way that this story is constructed? That we see that you have these two different components of tefillah and tamu torah that are totally interconnected. Um, and, and the last one, the last example that he gave, and this to me personally was the most eye opening of all of them, was what's called sumat tefillah. I always thought, and uh, you know, um, the sitter ends, Shachrit ends with Valetzion, which I figured was you end davening with redemption, right? Valetzion, Goel, redemption. He argues and he proves this from, I didn't have enough time to do the research on this. He found an ancient uh, uh, Sidur that goes back about a thousand years, and in it, it describes the function of the second part of Uvalitzion. So what do we do in Uvalitzion? We talk about the Geula, Uvalitzion Goel, and then we read a few Pesukim from Yeshayahu, meaning the, 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 the Kedusha de Sidra, it's Kedusha that we say sitting down, Kadosh Baruch Yimloch, translated into Aramaic, which everyone kind of chops over, and we talk about afterwards Torah, right? 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 Um, um, we talk about our children, we talk about Tom 